Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen, top dragster, drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 99. It is the last week of May. And there is lots going down, so we need to get right into it. First of all, if you've listened to the show, you knew this was coming. Uh, Congress admitted that there have been over 400 reputable sightings of aliens in the last decade by government employees. They admitted it out loud. I have no idea what that means for you and I, but it would not surprise me if we see a bunch of E.T. costumes this Halloween. You've been warned. Um, It's out there. Um, Secondly, NASA reported on their 30 years of data collection from the Hubble telescope this week. Their report, get this, something weird is happening in our universe. Seriously, that was the report. The scientific finding after 30 years of data collection from the Hubble telescope was something weird. I wish I was making this up. Um, Imagine spending 30 years of your life telling everyone you were a scientist and the best you could do was come up with the technical phrase Something weird. I mean, if my tuner looked at my race pack and used that phrase, I'd be wondering if I wasted my money. But Congress seemed to take that scientific report in stride. Sheesh. Um, What else? Um, Hey, we've lost some great ambassadors to the sport lately. Um, That we will touch on on some later episodes. Not ready to deal with that just yet and there's been some terrible tragedies in our country this week all of which we're going to get into another show um, because that's bad stuff but there were was some absolutely some good stuff this week and I want to talk about that now because it was maybe the best stuff maybe the most incredible stuff that's it you know you know what's happened you know that Top Gun Maverick finally made its release. 36 years after releasing Top Gun, the greatest bracket racing movie ever made, 
the sequel, Top Gun Maverick, was released, and I'm telling you, it was awesome. I saw it last night. It was incredible. Uh, for most of you listening, and most of us that raced, uh, we learned a lot from the first movie, didn't we? I mean, we did. We learned a lot from that movie. We learned a couple of really life-changing lessons. First of all, we know that we never, ever leave your wingman. It's a great life lesson. If you do, you will live to regret it. Find out who your wingmen are and stay with them. We also learned that sometimes you have to hit the brakes and they will fly right by. Bracket racing in its truest form. Great knowledge from Top Gun on bracket racing that way. Top Gun also taught us to have a little respect for other racers and fans in the pits and to never be a snot-nosed jockey and buzz the tower or any admiral's daughter. Which, coincidentally, I've always said that Penny Benjamin must have been the hottest character in a movie that was never actually on a movie screen. And in Top Gun Maverick, we finally get a look at her. And it's well worth the wait, I'll tell you. Um, Top Gun also taught us that safety gear is important. And then if you really want to look cool, play sand volleyball on a five-foot net. That helps. Um, but most importantly, Top Gun reminded us, all of us actually, that uh, we have it deep down inside, and when it really comes down to it, when you need to let it rip, because, you know, really, what else is there without trying to go Mach 4 with your hair on fire? Let's go. I mean, I've got it. You've got it. The need, the need for speed. In either event, I was fired up to watch the sequel last night, and it did not disappoint. If you appreciated the first one in any capacity, Top Gun Maverick is no joke um, at all. Guys, girls, I've got two great guests for you this week. Uh, first of all, Kathy Fisher. She comes on and talks top dragster drag racing uh, she's a longtime standout and champion of the sport and i was happy to talk with her also jeff verdi he is a multi-time multi-million dollar winner in the bracket racing ranks and also happens to drive the top gun motorsports car which was really cool so we're going to talk about bracket racing with him so guys girls get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show Make your commute, clean the shop, work on that old heat, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put episode number 99 in the water box. Guys, girls, we cannot turn a blind eye to this anymore. The people in charge seem to want this, uh, so we've got the economy doing what it is doing right now, which is having a major pullback. Recession, depression, whatever you want to call it, we're in it right now. Uh, we have big-time inflation, major issues with the supply chains in all industries, 
and you know it's just what we're dealing with and let me tell you right now um if you hear anybody saying that it's uh, gonna the inflation is gonna pull back and it was just temporary do not listen to them they are not serious economists they have not really dug into this we're gonna have this for a while so if you have cash if you want a cheaper race car uh today then what you will pay you know this time next year all of the stuff all of the equipment all of the materials are going to be more expensive next year and by probably another 15 percent so um you know that just is what it is and it's going to taper at some point but you cannot turn on the money printer that the fed cranked on without guaranteeing inflation and for a long time so uh it just is what it is and you know for those of you that have listened to the show in the past, you're not surprised. I told you this was going to happen early last year. I told you exactly what was going to happen. You knew this was going to happen. And so none of this is shocking to you, but it is something we're all dealing with. And it it actually creates huge opportunities for those willing to capitalize on them uh, because there are ways to capitalize on this. But here's the point. This year, with diesel prices rocketing, uh, upwards and parts availability becoming a problem, there will be multiple championships decided simply on who can get parts or simply who doesn't hurt parts so they can continue to race. Those are the facts of it. The the you know that fact is not completely unique to this race season. I mean, looking back, many championships have been won or lost. Uh, you know, either by not breaking something or a competitor breaking in part that they just simply couldn't get fixed in time. Uh, certainly races are going to be resolved that way. So it's not entirely new. But the best seasons, the greatest championship runs, the ones where it came down to the wire. And it's like, you know, when it does, it's like a real life reality show. Those are the seasons where all the competitors have their parts. They're allowed to compete with everything they have with no holding back because of some economic or logistic constraint. And this year, and the, the voting that happened almost two years ago, uh, those consequences are coming to fruition now. And it just doesn't seem possible that the championships will come down to a few people giving it their all without any outside constraints. And that's too bad. Uh, but maybe we'll be surprised because, you know, that would be the real life reality show we're looking for. And that would be the real life twist we all would love to witness. All right, let's put episode number 99 in the beams presented by AFCO Racing Products. On with us now. She is the former host of Married with Dragsters. She is a longtime drag racing reporter. She is from Lima, Ohio, the Dragoness, Kathy Fisher. Kathy, how is it? How's it going there today? It is going great. And Rex, everybody does it, but it's Lima. You know, like we all like to put our limes in our 
certain kind of adult beverages so or like a lima bean. But otherwise, I am doing great, and I'm really looking forward to it. We've got a big weekend coming up with our PDRA race right in our backyard here in Ohio. So it's going to be really nice not to be on the road for 10 hours at a time. I stand corrected. Um, all the Ohioans out there are just uh, fuming at me right now. But uh, you know you know what? I'm going to get that right. I am going to get that right. And uh, you're, you're right. And, and you've got a short trip this week, right? Like you go, um, how far is it from, uh, from Lima to, uh, to Norwalk? Uh, we're we're just a little over uh, two hours away, so that feels like it's in our backyard, you know, compared to when we're we're going south, you know, to some of the races down at, at Galad or you know Virginia Motorsports Park, which we absolutely love. Don't get me wrong, but it's just going to be really nice, especially when you're done with the race. That hey, we're going to be home the same day. <laughs> right, right. It's a big difference because you you have primarily run the the PDRA races here as of late, correct? And that is, um, but that does add some travel to your schedule. Yeah, yes, it does. And, you know, PDRA got under, got started in 2014. We didn't start running any of the events until I had this top dragster, which was built in 2015. We tried out a few of the events. We fell in love with the, the series, the people, uh, how they were taking care of the, the sportsman racers and how we felt at the time more even like a professional class than just how we may have felt other places. And we just went all out with PDRA starting in 2016. We were still running NHRA at the time, and we we ran both series through, I want to say, 2019. It was just into when NHRA had changed the the floor of the index to 610 and we ran like i think a year of that and then just said nope we're just going to set the car up for eighth mile and that's what we were going to stick with yeah i think um a lot of people are doing that right and gotten really really comfortable with going fast in the eighth mile and um just for our listeners sake would you mind uh giving a little breakdown of what your combination looks like it is a, a 2015 American chassis. It is the, it's not a suspended car, so to speak. It is a 272-inch wheelbase car. Uh, we, we're running the F3 Pro Charger, the F3 121, with a 547 big block Chevy from Ohio crankshaft with a blow-through carb and that type of thing. We started running a Pro Charger combination in my husband's car in the very first season was 2012. Now, that was an F2. We ran that for quite a few years. I ran it for two years, and then we switched to the F3 in 2017. And even though the F3 added a lot of weight to the car because of the different brackets and stuff like that, oh, boy, we, we definitely picked up because our quickest at, with the F2 had only been in the low 390s in the eighth mile. And our quickest now, and we haven't been pushing it, but we've run 375.8, and there's there's still more in it, but you got to decide – how much you want to push it, especially with the way parts are right now. Well, that's going to be a big factor, you know, and that is going to be a big factor about uh, whether people can finish the series, you know, finish the season just with parts breakages and things like that. It is kind of interesting to me, though. You said, oh, we're not really pushing it going 375. 
And I mean, can you imagine like, I know you've been, you know, you've been on the media side for quite a while. When you first started, let's go back to that day when you first started doing media, did you ever think 375 in the eighth mile wasn't going to be pushing it? I mean, <laughs> oh my, I, I, right? I, I, the first, the first time I ran in the threes was at, at Frank Hawley's in the top alcohol dragster class. And that was just like, holy cow, that was just hauling the mail. And it still is, but it's all in perspective and what you get used to. But, but yeah, so I had no idea that I would ever run that fast, let alone that would be something that a whole bunch of people would be doing bracket racing. It's, it's kind of phenomenal, right? I mean, the bracket racing going, oh, no, we're, we're going to dial into the 375 today. Like, it's, uh, it, it still sometimes uh, catches me off guard about how impressive that is uh, on a weekend, weekend out base. And, you know, it, it, takes, it takes really good weather, you know, to be able to do something like that and not be pushing it. You know, for the most part, it's, it's low 380s. And that type of thing, but but still, you know, the yep, we're dialing 381 today. We're dialing 380, and it's you know the horsepower factor is not even that great, but we're still out there, you know, hauling butt. It's it's quite amazing how technology has changed, and to be able to repeat the repeat repeatability of these super quick cars is just amazing. Yeah, it, it truly is, um, and I know you have. You know, a lot of that repeatability goes to the crew chief. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what's the latest with with Kevin and, um, you know, how uh, – just talk a little bit about his involvement with the program because I, I know you guys work together so cool, so well. Well, uh, he, he still wants in the seat. And <laughs> any if I would – I mean, but, it, hey – if you see, I just have to say this. If you have you seen the pictures where they're showing like people with motorcycle helmets and they're actually putting their face on the helmet, where it, it looks like it's the person. <laughs> yeah. So I thought about you know he wants in the seat back in the seat so bad he's never taken this particular car down the track that I would just go ahead and put him on my helmet so I could be like, what do you mean you haven't been in the car? Right there you are. I see a picture of you. You were taking the car down the track. There you are. Anyway, you know uh, I no, think Kevin that's... would love to get back. back. <laughs> I think that's probably the perfect uh, marriage negotiation right there, Kathy. I think that is, you know, the perfect analogy for what marriage uh, negotiations look like. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Well, well, it, you know, it was it was tough when we sold his car and then, you know, we had, had my other super comp bracket car and we sold that and we're just running this one. But no, you know, Kevin is, is pretty much doing this all on his own. We, we used to have crew folks that would come with us and help out. We have them from the uh, university that's here in town, UNOH, and we would get someone with like an intern that would work with us. But Kevin puts the car together 110% by himself, that type of thing. He's, he's doing it all. Obviously when it comes to tuning and stuff like that, he, he works with Stan and the folks at Ohio crankshaft and their engine program. But Kevin, Kevin's doing it all and you know he does an awesome job and I wouldn't be able to do what I do without him so I have to give him kudos and I know how much it kills him sometimes that he's not in the seat and he always knows what he should have done when that wind light doesn't come on 
and I should have done that. <laughs> so that keeps it interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can only imagine. And anybody who knows me at all knows that uh, I should not be, you know, um, discussing any love connections at all. I mean, that's not that's not where my expertise is for sure. But you guys have a, a great story. Do you mind uh, kind of? Telling a little bit about the how you guys met and and where the uh, driver crew chief combo kind of got going. Well, I, I will try to keep it short, <laughs> but I was I was in radio at the time, and not only was I doing a lot of on air stuff, that was my main gig, but I kind of picked up sales a little bit on the side, and I was looking for you know some new clients that type of thing. I in the yellow pages back when people used to use that stuff. I saw this big half page ad with this guy's dragster in there and I I'm like, well, I'm going to call him. And the next thing you know, we weren't talking about radio. We were talking about drag racing, la la la. And obviously the uh, Brown delivery man is down the street. So the dogs have to let me know. Of course, but back to the story. So we, we end up meeting over at the, the local track because I had a brand new Camaro and I was just going and racing by myself. One thing leads to another. We end up becoming really good friends. And he asked me out at the track one night. And it was right before we had to race each other. I ended up going red. And four months later, we were married at the track, pretty much at the same spot he had asked me out. And that was 22 years ago. That is awesome. That's the, that's the very, very, very short version version and the g-rated version of the entire story so there you go <laughs> of course yeah no that's that's great um and, and you don't think he he planned that just to you know play psychological games on the starting line you you think uh i guess well i guess he's played that out long enough to you can <laughs> scratch that off the list of things that might have happened and i i think it was it was just timing because i was running in a street class he was running in you know pro and in, in box and they had a gambler's race that night for second and third round losers. If you wanted to get in it, any class, and it was just going to ra help raise money for the team finals. Okay. They only did that race one time the entire year. It happened to be May 13th of 2000. And that was just a perfect opportunity for him to ask me out. I mean, it was just, it, it was just weird how it all happened. I love it. I, I I love that whole thing. I think it's fantastic, and um, you know, good. I mean, lucky for everybody involved, right? That's uh, that's that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, well, talk to us a little bit about um, you know what, uh, if anything, you guys have done special for your Norwalk trip. Uh, obviously, I think the way I understand it, you guys are um, you know committed to running the PDRA Elite Top Dragster Series. And, um, you know, competing for a championship in that class. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. And where this is the, the third stop for PDRA for the 2022 season. So, you know, point you're, you're looking at points. You're not looking at points with there only being eight races in the series. You kind of look at them a little earlier in the year than than most. And we haven't had a bad start to the season. We haven't qualified as well as we would have liked to have the past couple of races. We've been trying some stuff, testing during qualifying, so to speak, instead of testing. And we're, we're doing fine. We're going to kind of stop the testing point and just go from, go from here. But looking forward to Norwalk because, one, 
we all know that Norwalk is an absolutely beautiful facility. Yep. And to bring this, you know, to bring this show and everything there, the weather last year gave everybody, you know, a lot of crap. But this year it looks like we might have a little problem on Thursday, Friday morning. And then after that, it's just going to be, a, you know, a gorgeous day on Friday and Saturday. So, you know, to be able to do this in our backyard, we're going to have a lot of people there because it's our home race. We we also represent Lucas Oil. We handle all of the contingency program throughout the PDRA for Lucas Oil. So we're going to be very busy with that as well and, and setting up everything. It's just, I just look forward to, to Norwalk. It, you know, it's our only chance I think we're going to get to run at that track this year. And it's just fun to, to go there. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible facility. It's incredibly well run. And man, um, I don't know if the Mecca is the right word, but uh, it, it's always fun to let it go there, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And and to be, you know, it's it's a quarter mile track, like, you know, all of the tracks that we run, but to be able to just let it go there, it's a nice, smooth track. And I'm just really looking forward to it, especially, like I said, with the weather going to be so much better this year than it was the first time PDRA was there in 21. Yeah, no, well, um, we're all rooting for you from that standpoint, because uh, it, it always feels good to race kind of on your home track as well. And, you know, this you know, given that's what it is and uh, the good weather, hopefully we're all going to have, um, I, you know, I think we're rooting from you that from that standpoint. Um, I, I will ask you this because you have been involved with the sport for a long time in kind of a different way than uh, a lot of us have. I mean, you've really uh, stood on the media side of the fence for a while. And um, from your, your standpoint, um, what, what could something that maybe the the sport could do or the media could do a little bit better to help help us all move forward? I mean, obviously, we can only do so much with with parts and creating parts and things like that. But uh, you've got a unique perspective. I'm curious uh, your thoughts from that standpoint. Well, I a lot of the things I've seen going on with individual tracks and trying. To, I just see I see a lot of great races that are going on, big money races and, and even bigger money races to keep people just out going. You know, not everybody's going to go out and, and taste points and do things down in the Carolinas and Virginia from Ohio like us. What I see and just kind of looking around, seriously, a lot of these tracks are putting on some really, really good races for people who don't want to travel. Mm-hmm. and don't have the time or the money, I'm just really impressed. I almost sometimes want to go back and just do bracket racing just because of all the things that I see going on. It's a great point. And, and you you and Kevin both are, you you work uh, full-time in your in your shop, right? The uh, performance by Fisher, is that right? And you guys, Correct. and so yeah. you're like a lot of people, right? Where you're trying to make a, you're not going to make your living drag racing per se, and you have to make a living otherwise. So cutting down on the travel helps the cause. I mean, is that where you're going with that? Yeah. And, and there are, like I said, there's just so many good events without, you know, chasing a points series or, or whatever. And I'm not taking anything away from it because trust me, I, I love it or I wouldn't be out doing it, but there are so many different opportunities and I'm just seeing these tracks really stepping up to the plate and coming up with great ideas and nice payouts and that type of thing for the folks who can't travel. And, and I'm pretty impressed with that. Yeah. I, 
I I can't disagree at all. I mean, it's it's pretty this weekend alone. I mean, uh, you know, I'm based here in Indy, and so you know, every direction there's a really nice payout uh, race, and some is bracket racing, some is you know no box, some is um, you know PDRA level racing. So it's it's really a pretty good mix, I think, for everybody out there. And I I know that uh, outside of the diesel prices, man, there's a there's a lot of great. Um, you know, the, the hurdle is pretty small, I would say, to get to a great race. Yeah, diesel is kind of a four-letter word right now. <laughs> no <laughs> That's doubt. I got to say. Yeah, no doubt. Yes. No doubt about that. Well, uh, Kathy, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you coming on and uh, talking a little top dragster racing with us. We wish you well this weekend. And, um, you know, go get them the rest of the year. Thank you so much, Rex. I appreciate your time. And I'm really looking forward to kicking some ass and taking some names. How's that? <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Ladies and gentlemen from Lima, Ohio, Kathy Fisher, if you need her. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Uh, like it always is, you know, for all your high horsepower legal needs, get with DragRaceLawyer.com. Ed Harding can hook you up. A uh, couple divisionals here to focus on. Uh, first of all, starting in Division 4 um, down in Enos, Texas. A little top sportsman, top dragster action for you. On the top sportsman side, there were 27 cars, which is a nice turnout. Uh, for that divisional, uh, Darian Bosch goes number one. He goes 639 with a two. Easy stroll at 225 miles an hour for the top spot. But your winner is Lance Abbott over Austin Philpot. Lance, um, 18 up front and uh, one over two for the win over Austin Philpot. So congrats to Lance Abbott for getting the top sportsman win down in Division Four. On the top dragster side, your number one qualifier was Dane Ward. He goes 6'11", 9 at 227 miles an hour. There were 31 cars in top dragster, so he had to let it rip. Um, and your winner, uh, no, no um, surprise here really, Rusty Baxter gets it done. Um, he is 31 up front, runs a 6'14 on his 6'8". 10 dial over Robert Cool and uh, Rusty Baxter gets it done again. Congrats to Rusty, uh, former um, U.S. Nationals winner. Uh, really good field down there in Division Four, um, both on the top sportsman and top dragster side. Like to see that action continue for the rest of the uh, the year as well. Um, let's, so let's go to, uh, division six, another good field of cars out there in Boise, Idaho, 27 cars on the top sportsman side. Don London goes 675, eight at 204 miles an hour for the top spot there. But your winner circle is Ed Open. Ed Open over Mike, Mark Austin, Open, uh, 19 up front. A 7.11.2 on a 7.07 dial for the win over Mark Austin. So uh, Ed, the Undertaker, Oakland gets it done in top sportsman. 
Then on the top dragster style side, Kyle Hansen is your number one qualifier. He goes 620 with an eight at 222 miles an hour. And there were 31 top dragsters that showed up for that event. Uh, so those guys, um, you know, had almost a full field, uh, really nicely done in terms of the turnout that way as well. Jake Nierbauer gets it done over Mark Barnhart. Jake is a 30 on the tree, um, 89-2 on an 87 dial over Mark Barnhart, who was perfect on the tree but just ran under. And uh, Jake Niebauer gets the wind light and the Wally out in Division Six land, Boise, Idaho. Uh, coming to Indianapolis here, uh, close to uh, the... Fast Brackets headquarters um, had Division Three action. 27 cars in top sportsmen. Lester Johnson leads the way there. 621.8 at 240 miles an hour for the top spot. Lester getting it done. But uh, in the winner circle, a guy who has won a lot in Indy, Lynn Ellison over Rich Smith. Uh, Rich has a beautiful car but goes... Uh, just a shade too quick. Goes red in the final over Lynn Ellison. Um, so Lynn gets the top sportsman win there. He's won in a lot of different categories in a lot of different ways. Uh, but man, always seemed to have a little something special for Indy. So congrats to Lynn Ellison on getting that done. On the top dragster side, there were 27 top dragsters that showed up. Your number one qualifier was Ble or Al Peevler. Sorry, Al Peevler goes 612 with a five at 218 miles an hour. And then Al Peevler shows him how it's done to get the number one qualifier. And uh, Blake Peevler, last year's national champion, comes in and gets the win there. So good day for the Peevlers once again in Indy. Blake, 11 on the tree. 610 with a 7 on his 610 dial. So he is 18 total. Ed Dudley is 007 on the tree, so has a chance, uh, but just runs a little bit off his 611 dial. So, I mean, a very cool final that way. You know, uh, Blake dialed 610, Ed Dudley dialed 611, kind of how we'd like to do it in Top Dragster right there. Um, great final. And Blake Peevler gets it done. You're last year's national champion. Nicely done to everybody there in Indy. And finishing it up in Rockingham Division Two, Short field um, for top sportsmen. But Jackie Bennett goes number one. 649. Three at 218 miles an hour. And Jackie goes to the final. Gets it done. I mean, absolute nails in the final. 002 on the tree to Chad Morrison. Uh, Chad runs a little bit quick because um, just not quite as uh, his 34 light. Not quite good enough uh, for Jackie's 002. I mean, uh, it's crazy, right? So uh, ran, Chad Morrison breaks out. Jackie Bennett gets the win. Number one qualifier and the win light and the Wally in the final round there. So congrats. Um, to the top sportsman cars that showed up in Rockingham. On the top dragster side, a little better field, 31 cars. Robert May is your number one qualifier, almost perfect. Goes 610 with a 1 at 214 miles an hour. Uh, just a thou from perfect there. 
But uh, in the winner's circle, Vaughn Caulfield over Jeremy Hancock. Vaughn, um, man, Vaughn and Jeremy both have 19 lights. So, you know, uh, very good lights there. But they're even at uh, as they cross the Christmas tree. And Vaughn goes 682 with a 3 on his 680 dial. And Jeremy goes 7057 on his 702 dial. So, um, very close finish there at the final um, final there in Rockingham. But the congrats, the Winlight, and the Wally all go to Vaughn Caulfield. So, uh, congrats to everybody who got divisional wins over the weekend. Congrats to you. And um, I will say this. If the Top Gun Maverick movie got you fired up that you want to check out the Top Gun Raceway in Fallon, Nevada... There is an NHRA National Open there in two weeks on June 11th to 12th. Apparently, that's about an hour and a half east of Reno, Nevada. So please let me know if you make a trip there. I need to know all about that racetrack. Um, You know I do. Um, Next week, we will have your PDRA updates um, from Norwalk as well as other divisional events. And do not forget to enter the Fast Brackets, Winlight Bets, PDRA Elite Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Fantasy League, it is easy. You simply pick four drivers from each class. You do not have to be overly talented, overly skilled. You do not have to even know a heck of a lot about the classes, truthfully, to simply pick four drivers from each class, four from Elite Top Sportsman, four from Elite Top Dragster, and it's cheap. It costs you nothing to enter, and it is fun. You accumulate the points that each one of your drivers that you've picked accumulate throughout the season. So that's simple enough. And it could be really rewarding. The prize package is growing each week. You have fast brackets, you have wind light gear, and much, much more. Uh, so do that and enjoy the season. Um, and we will bring you more drag racing action next week. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just one minute and bring on a guy who has arguably had the greatest season ever in the history of bracket racing when he won not one, but $2 million races in 2016. He's from Glen Allen, Virginia, and he's the driver of the Top Gun Motorsports 68 Firebird Please welcome to the show, Jeff Verdi. Jeff, how are you today, my man? I'm doing great, man. Can't complain at all. Right. And um, you, of course, are on the very special episode of our, uh, I mean, quote-unquote Top Gun episode. And we had to have you on because not only have you been, uh, uh, just had a great uh, career in bracket racing, but you're doing it in the most iconic uh, Top Gun Firebird of all time. So, um, first of all, you got to tell us a little bit about that ride, man. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a back half car that's uh, was built in the early '90s, and uh, I've done a few upgrades over the years and had some help from Outlaw Motorsports and uh, Jerry Lone and and uh, but yeah, it's a Pontiac powered uh, Firebird. You know, it had a Chevrolet small block in it when I bought it and took that out and put the the right stuff back in there and 
Um, <laughs> it's been a winner ever since, you know, that thing is, it, it makes me look bad basically, you know, cause it, 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 if I just trust the car, it, it does real good. So it's a great, great piece. Well, I like it. I like the Pontiac, uh, action in there. I, I have, uh, those, my listeners know I've got a 69 Firebird, uh, convertible that I bought when I was 14. And so that had a Pontiac 400 in it, Rimmer three for a long time. Um, it's, oh, that is, that's great stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, I've, uh, you know, messed with those Pontiac blocks a long time and, uh, they're, they're good, uh, torque mode and making uh, machines. So I like oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, we use a torque, you know, that's the main focus when we, you know, use that, you know, type of engine because the cylinder heads typically aren't made for horsepower, you know, they're they're more about torque and, and we put a four and a half inch stroke crank in them too and, and, you know, so it's basically using the torque more than horsepower and a lot of guys are seeing that that's actually more consistent, you know, on the bracket racing world, you know, bigger cubic inch, more stroke, which is a broader torque curve, keeps you in first gear longer, you can you know, the car just tends to be more consistent. So it's uh, something we've been doing for years. And it, uh, the next step is maybe putting it on alcohol, which would give you a little more torque. But it's, uh, we've, we've been running 112 racing gas for years. And we, you know, just keep it simple. But Well, it's worked yeah, for so, you. Uh, Clearly it's worked, Jeff. I yeah. mean, you, <laughs> you, you had what is maybe the greatest run ever, um, in 2016, where you won two million dollar races, uh, did it on opposite end of the country, and and um, man, I mean, just just really amazing. But it's you know you kind of had it in uh, like you had a a really good level of confidence because of that car. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had um, won some track championships with it, and uh, you know, I felt like I could do good on a on a bigger level. You know, and and the car just I mean, as far as the run of the number and, and being able to dial it, it's not just that it runs the same number every run because typically gasoline motors don't do that. And so it's just a matter of picking the dial and we could, you know, the car is pretty predictable and, and racing it as much as we used to race, you know, nowadays we don't get to race as much unless you want to travel, but it, uh, you know, the car itself, you know, the way we build it, you know, not too much compression, it's ready to go racing pretty much every Saturday. Like, don't take the hood off and just race. And, you know, when you make a lot of laps in it, and then it gives you confidence. And then, you know, back in 2016 and, and before that year, actually, in the in the fall and winter of 15 into 16, I was really into practice on the practice tree and and really honing, make sure the call was right, make sure I was ready. And I just felt like I could win, you know, in 16. And I, I you know, sent out a few, well, one text to my buddy that I was going to, get a 1099 for over 100 grand in 16 and and it was funny that it actually happened so it was like i it was in february of of 16 when i sent him that message because i was practicing in the garage and it's like what are you doing i said Man, I'm, you know getting ready you know and and i just felt like i was going to do something you know and it uh it happened you know it was just wild that whole year was amazing you know so yeah, it's uh, it's impressive. Um, and did you have the the Top Gun Motorsports sticker on the car like before that season, or did that come out afterwards? Yeah, I had it on there. Um, I think I put it on in fourteen. Um, it was something I was. Me and my friends were talking one day, you know, hanging out, and and 
I, I'm the youngest of all my friends pretty much that I hang out with all the time. I mean, my closest friends are, you know, 64 and 72 and, and 71 and I'm, you know, 51. So, but at the time, you know, we were talking about cars back in the day, had names on the side of them and all the kids and people would know the car by the names, you know, in the seventies and eighties and right. we were talking about all kinds of names and, and nobody does that anymore. You know, it's, it's typically just a plain old car to make them look stock, which I like the way all that looks and all, but I was thinking I could have come up with a name for this thing just because I'd see there was a couple young kids at the track, a local track that I talked to and they'd want to look at the cars and then, and that was pretty cool. And I'd try to be, you know, a little more, you know, waving at them when I go by and just kind of give them thumbs up, stuff like that. And I was like, well, you know, most people think the cars are Camaro, you know, they're like, oh, it's it's a firebird, you know, but so I wanted to put something on the door, you know, and I said, well, I build countertops for a living. So that's top right there. And I was thinking I'd done good in the points. I pretty much finished in the top 10 in the points all the time. And I'm a huge fan of the movie, you know, the elite, you know, type deal with the top gun, you know, school and all in the movie. And I was like, you know, I'll just put Top Gun on the, on the door of the car, you know, that way it'll be kind of like me being a countertop guy and finishing in the top 10 in points a lot. I figure, you know, Hey, I'll put that on the car. It just kind of came to me that I thought that would be kind of cool looking, you know, plus the car is blue and it would look good on the car. And I just put the motorsports underneath it just to make it kind of tie in with an automotive deal, you know, but sure. it really, you know, and some people I had one guy that was, you know, in the military that was like, well, why'd you put that on your car? You know, whatever. And, and I said, well, I kind of gave him the same explanation I just said there. And, and I guess he understood it, but you know, some people don't, you know, they may not want you to do that unless you're in the Navy or, or whatever, you know, but it's like, well, no, nah, I'm just a fan. You know, and people have asked me cause I keep my hair cut pretty short. And they're like, you in the military, were you in the military? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> you know, but it's just a, a fan thing. And then, like I said, I wanted, so now everybody knows the car, you know, as that car, you know, when I get up on the line, it's, you know, before it was a Top Gun Pontiac, you know, and, and now, of course, they say the $2 million man every time, which is pretty cool. But, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, but yeah, the name was, I think I put it on in 14, 2014, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, it's safe to say that you are a Top Gun fanatic, um, like, yeah. like me and like, you know, millions of others. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, um, so have you, um, I mean, You've obviously watched it. What do you think? Uh, around to the nearest hundred, Jeff. How many times have you watched the watched <laughs> the movie? <laughs> oh man, I would think probably, you know, a minimum of a hundred. I mean, maybe maybe more. I mean, like I said, I, you know, keep it in my DVD player when I'm working out, and so it's kind of playing in the background, or I'm, you know, I, so I see it all the time. But you know, if it comes on TV, whether it's on you know regular station where they cut it all up and and have commercials every five minutes and still I watch it anyway. You know, it's like, why well, I got the DVD in the other room. Why don't I just play it? You know, but I'll sit there and watch it on TV, you know, right. comes on. <laughs> right. there's certain movies you got to watch like that. You know, it's like Roadhouse and, and, uh, you know, a few others that are, when it comes on, you know, I got to watch it, you know? So it's like, it, uh, but yeah. yeah, it's just in you. It's, yeah. It's just in you. Right. I mean, just that's part of, uh, what you are and, and, uh, and that makes perfect sense. And I'm the same way. Like I, I have to, uh, you're probably like me, like I get around certain friends and you have to cut off the quotes at some point because otherwise <laughs> that's all you'll do the whole evening is just quote top gun. Right. That's all you'll do. And, oh, and oh, yeah. because yeah. the next guy knows the next uh, line and the next guy knows the next line and you could just recite the whole movie back to back to back. 
<laughs> right, mind. right. No, it is. It's funny, man. <laughs> it is, and it's funny how a movie can have an effect on people. You know, at least me. Some people don't look at it the same way, but in, in my world of, of thinking or whatever. And I was, you know, 15, turned 16 in 1986. So it was like when it came out, you know, I was at an age, I guess, just like when Star Wars came out or Rocket. You just kind of get into the movies, you know, and, and all those movies are great. So, you know, Top Gun was just. And I've watched it. The more I watch it when I'm older, it seems like I it kind of gives you a little motivation sometimes, you know, you want or or get you jazzed up to do something, you know, you know, it's just kind of like whatever. But yeah, movie quoting, man. Me and one of, one of my guys in the shop, we quote movies all day long. I mean, it's insane. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's something fun to do, you know. Yeah, well, it, it does motivate you, and I've I've said like it's uh it's the best bracket racing movie of all time. You know, I mean, just talking right. about like hitting the brakes and letting someone fly by. You know, that is right. just, I mean, it's its the ultimate bracket racing movie, in, in my opinion. And uh, and it does, it gets you fired up. I don't know what it is, but, uh, man, it, it, you want to go out there and be the best you can be and, you know, take on a challenge. And so, yeah, I, I can't love it uh, any more than I do, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> have you had the chance then to see the new one? Have you see, had the chance to see Top Gun Maverick? No, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'd actually got uh, tickets for last night and tonight, uh, which kind of came up as an accident. But, um, you know, bought, you know, two tickets to each one. Me and my wife going to go both nights, and then I end up having to work uh, this week and on a job that has to be done at night, so I can't go and couldn't go. So I was really bummed last night. I mean, I was on the job just thinking about, hey, the movie's playing right now, man. And I'm, you know, but it's, it is what it is. You know, I'll see it uh, hopefully this weekend or, or sometime real soon. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because it, uh, you know, when it got put on hold for a couple of years, it, it kind of like faded out a little bit like, oh, when they're, you know, when's it ever going to come out, you know? Right. But the reviews I've heard and – you know, my buddy that saw it last night that I was supposed to go with, he was like, man, it's awesome, you know, and everybody's saying it's really good. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, you know. Yeah, for for a movie that waited 36 years for the sequel and then uh, and then just a sequel in general, I mean, it is it is pretty fantastic. And I will say this, even the first one, um, if you watch, you know, the original, like it holds up. It, you know, a lot of movies at right. 30, 35, six years later, they, you know, they don't they're just not you go man i like that i i really like that one back in the day um but the but this one you watch top gun you, st- you still think that's ah, pretty cool movie even though there are some uh as you and i talked off the air there are some uh idiosyncrasies that don't quite line up and if you watch it enough times you're like oh how did how did they miss that that didn't you know the those right. things don't quite <laughs> don't work but right. uh, it's it's still such a great flick so um, but uh, yeah, so, all right, well, uh, you are, um, banned from the show until you see Top Gun Maverick. So don't, don't try to come <laughs> back until you've seen it. You're absolutely banned. Don't, right. uh, don't even try. Uh, but, That's uh, right. um, uh, but tell us yeah, a little I'm, bit I'm about see it this week. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you see it, then you can come back on the show, but you're not allowed until then. All right. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your bracket racing, uh, you know, racing, uh, career or not career but your season what what now that you've done something like that in your life where you you know you have such a great season um you know do you set goals then for for this year and for you know just for bracket racing in general what do, what do you have on tap for this year yeah i mean typically it's it, bracket racing is such a mindset especially when the cars you know 
I can say it's ever a hundred percent, but if it's 99%, then it's, the car's fine. You know, you get to the track. It's, it's so much mental stuff going on. And, and, and the, the, the bad thing is like our home track here, you know, closed up for good, uh, as far as Richmond drag league goes. And, you know, we used to race 20 races, you know, points races a year. And it was just every Saturday you'd go racing and, and if you lost first round or second round or whatever, you knew you were coming back next Saturday to win. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to win next weekend, you know. And so your mind was always, you know, ready to go. Well, now you race every month and a half or two months and, and you're you're searching for where you want to go because, you know, these big money races are really expensive to go to. And now everybody's double entering. So my hardest part in my mind now is is getting focused on, you know, like, Am I going to double enter? Am I going to take two cars? Because I have a GTO as well, and, and that car is really good. And it's like, well, you know, my wife, she wants me to just take one car because it's like, look, you know, if you're racing and you're in the fifth round with both entries, well, you're, you've are you gone down the track, you know, four wind lights in each car. It's eight wind lights. Well, typically that's a, that's a final round if you turn on eight wind lights. But now you're only in the fifth round because you're racing two cars or two entries. Mm. And if you lose, lose both of them right there, well, you spent – if the entry fee is nine hundred dollars, you spend eighteen hundred dollars, and you, you're you're out with maybe you know a couple hundred bucks in your pocket. Versus if you just had one entry in and you, you know, you didn't spend nowhere near the money, but your shots, you know, you got them shots of of having two shots at it. But and it's it's worked one time for me where I lost one entry in the sixth round and took the Firebird on to win, you know, and the GTO I lost, and and that was at a local race and. And that, that's the only time it's ever worked out to me to be double with two cars. And so really, you know, mentally and, and trying to be ready to go to a race is just where to go, how far you want to go. Um, because our, my, the local track now is Virginia Motorsports Park, which is always, it's about an hour for me. It's, you know, but they have races once every six weeks for bracket racing, you know, sure. once and it's yeah. not like, not like it used to be, you know, so you're, you're not racing on track as much unless you decide to go. And I watch Motormania and different things all the time and watch all these guys and they're at every race, you know, I'm like, well, they're, you know, they're at every race double entered, you know, and they're, they're getting seat time, you know, and I'm sitting at home, you know, working around the house or going doing whatever. And it's like, you know, you, you kind of maybe lose a little bit of your edge there because you're not. And so that's when you need to practice and you need to make sure you're good. Cause we're in the off season. We're off for six months or so anyway. And we come out at the end of the year, usually do good. And you haven't been racing for a while. So it's, you know, the, the problem with the races nowadays, you sit around so much. So it's so much mental just getting ready to go. And once you're there sitting around for five hours between rounds is being ready to go again when it's time to go again, you know, because right. when you race every 20 minutes, it's easy to get in the groove and get, if you're ready and you're going on that day, you can just rock it, you know, but if it's five hours in between and, you know, definitely don't fall asleep because, then you're really in a messed up world <laughs> you know, when you, when you <laughs> right. kind of get really lazy and, and kind of go to sleep with, or fall asleep in the chair or whatever. It's kind of hard to come back from that unless you just, you know, wake up an hour or so before the round and, and get kind of going unless you're used to it, you know, but I'm really not that used to that, even though I go to the races, but I usually go to three or four a year that are like that. And, but locally we could race, you know, every weekend, you know, close by. And now it's like, eh, you know, you can't really, do it, you know. I mean, you can, but you got to kind of go to different tracks than you ever went to before, and and you know, drive different places, and and you know, it, it's kind of like 
it's, it's tougher to get up on that wheel, I guess, or, or, or wanting to go. You know, you want to go racing. I've always been a racer. Well, since 1989, I've been bracket racing. And, um, you know, I want to go. But my whole deal now is just kind of torn between where am I going to go? Because before it was just I'm going to Richmond Saturday night, you know. Sure. And, uh, now, now it's not like that anymore. So it's kind of it's kind of tough, you know, to to pick where you want to go and where you want to spend the money, where you want to. And, and if you go, you know, you know, you're going there to win. So it really doesn't matter, you know. You, you, and I've told myself that plenty of times and told people that you can't think about that when you get, you just decide you're going somewhere. You know, I did that one year at Huntsville, Alabama. I mean, I'm 650 miles from there, but I was like, I'm going to Huntsville in March for this race. And I go down there and I win the warm-up race the first night when I get there. And I'm like, I didn't even think about anything about the traveling of it. I woke up in the morning, 4 o'clock, got in my truck and, and drove down there. And that race was that same day, you know, and I drove for 10, 11 hours and get out and win the race, you know. So it's like, okay, that's how it's supposed to work, you know. Right. <laughs> that's the way you feel like it's supposed yeah. to work, you know. But I never thought about the money, never thought about the, the traveling, you know, any of that stuff. And had a great time. Of course, you win the first night, you're going to have a great time, you know. But, of course, uh, <laughs> right. You know, and, and that's kind of like Vegas was, you know. At, uh, you know, I'd gone to the big million in 2015 in that fall and uh, did pretty good. And, like, you know, I'm going to the, 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 the inaugural million in Vegas. You know, I'd never driven past, you know, maybe i don't know eight hours ten hours or whatever but i'm like i'm going to vegas you know and so and i just had a feeling i was going to win and i ended up winning you know so that was that was pretty interesting but it's having a season like that and you know you, you can't really expect to do it you know the same level of that again i mean you, you want to and you, i think i can i'm like yeah i'm gonna win a third million you know sure that's the way you have to think but but the reality of it all is you have to be ready, you know, like in your brain and in your life, you know, it's like, you know, to do it again, to go out there and not have any hesitations of spending the money and, and, and worrying about this and that, you know, cause I didn't do that the first year. I, I went and didn't worry about anything and it worked out great, you know, but when you go and you're worrying about different things and life gets in the way, you know, that's just the way it is. And so you have things back home you're worried about or, you know, money you're worried about or, you know, we lose, you get beat up on every day and you're just like, Oh man, you know, I'm done with this, you know, but you, you got to hang in there, you know, but it, it's tough sometimes. Jeff, it's, it's exactly what Viper said, which was you're the best of the best. You best stay sharp. Right. I mean, that's what he said. Like he, right. you know, I mean, we just, we, we got to live it, you know, we got to live it. So, oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, I appreciate you coming on, talking a little uh, Top Gun, a little bracket racing with us. And um, all of Fast Bracket Nation uh, wishes you well for the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, go watch it and come back on. Come on, man. Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to give you a call because I, I definitely we could probably talk about it for a while. You know? uh, but, yeah, no I'm doubt. definitely looking forward to that. No, so, uh, no doubt. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me on. And, no. Uh, you know, anytime. That was great. That was great. The driver of the Top Gun Motorsports 68 Firebird, the great Jeff Verdi, if you need him. As we hit the mile per hour cone today, we're going to go back to the NHRA national event at BMP. 
uh, two weeks ago, it was fast. I mean, it was incredibly fast. We know what happens when you let Tyler Cross know, the Franklin family, and Kurt Johnson go to work on that track, plus decent weather, things start happening. Matt Hagen set the funny card record, funny car record there. But the highlight of that event was this. Uh, May 14th, 2022, Larry the Spider-Man McBride shattered his existing speed record of 265.95 miles per hour, making a pass on a nitro motorcycle. He goes 268.38 miles per hour during that national event. Um, and that cements his name as the current record holder of the highest speed ever achieved on a motorcycle during a drag race, 268.38 miles per hour. Um, this is what I think is unbelievable to, uh, go on top of that. McBride actually explains that he's, his, his words, it got a bit loose. I had to pedal a little bit. You know, just grab the rear brake to get it caught back up. And boy, really, I had a really good back half. I mean, I knew I went awful fast. I didn't realize it went 268, but I knew it was really fast. So think about that. He sets the new mile per hour record by three full mile per hour and had to pedal it, hit the brakes during the run. Um, he went on to say that, uh, he said, I'll be honest with you. If we were to get another run tonight, I think we would probably go to 270 or 271. If I hadn't had to pedal it on a run, that would have been a 270 pass. So amazing to think about that. He shatters the old record of 265 miles per hour on a motorcycle. Um, and you know, thinks he's still got another two or three miles per hour left in it. It's crazy. I mean, considering the cars that are uh, going around the Indy 500 this weekend will hit 248 miles an hour if they're in good air, etc. So let's go 20 miles per hour faster than that in a shorter length and without a roll cage. Whew, uh, nice work. Congrats to Larry Spider-Man McBride for being the fastest human on earth to ride a motorcycle. I don't know if that's insane or if that is just flat out awesome. I'm going to go with awesome right now. And uh, man, I, I would think that even going, uh, I mean, it, it just is simply amazing. I don't have the guts for it, but uh, congrats to uh, Larry McGride for getting that done. It's simply amazing. All right, let's do it. Let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 99. There it is. There's the wind light. And of course, of course, nicely done, producer Chris. Of course, you're giving us danger zone. That's so good and so perfect. I don't know about you guys, but if I, if I listen to Danger Zone, I'm like, I'm ready to roll. Like, I'm ready to put the thing in the beat, ready to make a pass. Like, it is perfect hot rod driving music. I love it. 
Guys, girls, we had a great week this week. We had two great guests on. One, Kathy Fisher. Man, just a, a, a great ambassador for our sport and a fierce competitor and elite top dragster. And then Jeff Beardy. Jeff Beardy came on, uh, driver of the Top Gun Motorsports 68 Firebird and, I mean, driver of maybe the best bracket racing season of all time. Uh, win $2 million events. Just incredible. Um, guys, girls, if you have comments, questions, or curse words for me, you know the best way to get at me. You can do it using the Facebook page, using Messenger. You can catch me watching Top Gun for the, about the 400th time. And you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. in this episode you did a great job of uh making your case for why top gun is the greatest bracket racing movie of all time brother i yeah i mean i know there are some racing movies out there and there are certainly car movies out there and all that stuff but i mean when it comes to you know letting go of the button and uh that need for speed i i don't know man like uh i'm, I'm not like <laughs> a uh tom cruise uh nut swinger but man he gets it done in the top gun series yeah very few things are all red-blooded american besides top gun and good old drag racing yeah i, I love it brother i love it episode of the fast brackets podcast is brought to you by winlight bets winlight bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth go to the winlight bets facebook page like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information 
around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.